right, welcome back to From Eight Arbitration, and hopefully I'll get this episode done. This will be the third time I've tried to do this episode. It keeps stopping on me, so we're going to try it again. Uh, today is going to be a salted peanuts type thing. I've got a lot of different things I'm going to cover. It shouldn't take too long. Uh, some things will take just a minute or so. The first thing I wanted to do is there is a very ambitious MDA drive going on that somebody sent me. Uh, I've never asked y'all for anything and I never will. And I do tell you to buy the shirts because that money will go to MDA. But somebody sent me this from another region and they got an MDA drive going on. Uh, very ambitious. I'm going to read it to you. Now, if you get on from aidarbitration.com, at the very top, it'll have this. If you scroll down just a little bit, it'll have this MDA drive going on. And get on there and donate. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I'm going to read this to you first, what it states. We'll talk about the goal and where we're at so far. And this is what it states. Every day, children are born with muscular dystrophy and adults are diagnosed with ALS and other life-threatening diseases that, make, that take away their most basic freedoms, like walking, talking, eating, hugging, and ultimately, life itself. I'm raising money to help MDA fight back. MDA is working to give these abilities back through early intervention, local engagement, and the search for better treatments and cures. NALC has helped lead the search for a cure for neuromuscular diseases for over half a century for MDA, raising over hundreds of thousands of dollars annually. We continue to go the extra mile on the front lines for MDA. Even during a pandemic, we will continue to work to deliver the cure. The money we raise will help children and adults in our community and will also help support innovative research to change the future for people with neuromuscular diseases. There will be 11 drawings, 10 stuffed MDA bags filled with a little bit of everything. And when you get on it from aidarbitration.com, it'll have a little sign-up sheet. You'll fill out all your information so you're wondering, how am I going to get one of these bags if I win? It'll, it'll have your, all your contact information on there. So that's what it's talking about. So there'll be 10 stuffed MDA bags filled with a little bit of everything. One grand prize MDA bag with all the stuff in the above bags, but with a little extra. A blue MDA shirt, an autographed softball, an autographed NELC MDA shirt, and an autographed tops card by professional softball player Team USA Mia Davidson. Now, the tickets are $10 a piece and will be sold at the wrap session in New Orleans, which just ended today. All right, they met Friday and it ended today. Uh, please purchase tickets or make a donation. Thank you. And so if you get on from aidarbitration.com, this will be on there. Jeremy put it on there for you. Uh, the goal is $10,000, and they've raised $895 so far. Now, what I want us to do as a From Aid Arbitration family is I want us to reach that goal by next Sunday. I know that's ambitious, and the goal is ambitious, $10,000. But as many people listen to from aid arbitration, as many of y'all there are, is out there, if we contribute just the minimum amount, we'll reach that goal by Sunday. All right? So go on to fromaidarbitration.com, sign up, donate. Let's reach that goal of $10,000. And we can do it. And we will do it because I know y'all. So never asked y'all for anything, never will. But 
on this thing. Let's reach this goal. Let's show them that we're not just a bunch of hellions out here raising hell on from aid arbitration, but uh, we do have a heart. And so let's get on from aidarbitration.com and contribute as much as you can. And let's reach that goal of $10,000 by next Sunday. That'd be pretty cool, right? Uh, there's enough of you out there to do it. And I know that for a fact because I see the numbers every day. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is what do y'all look for or what would y'all want in your union leadership? And I know that I talk a lot of times about failed leadership and things like that. Uh, so much so that uh, I have decided to run for business agent. I would have never, ever dreamed that I would decide to do that. But I feel like I'm obligated to do it. I can't sit here and talk about failed leadership and just stay on here just bitching. And so I've thought long and hard and I've decided I'm going to run. But what do y'all want out of your national leadership? Are y'all satisfied with your national leadership, with how things are going? Uh, I do know that there is a movement. And there's a movement not only in from hate arbitration, because that is a definite movement. Uh, the people that are uber aggressive and want their union to be the same. That is the movement of Hermate Arbitration. A lot of people don't like me. A lot of people don't like how aggressive I am, the things that I say about them. And that's fine. That, that really is. Um, but I will always be aggressive in the way that I handle management. And I will not ever back up or back down from them. And that's just how I've always been. Our union right now is not that way. So I have a lot of enemies in the union right now. Uh, some people that were very close to me before I started this podcast, considered great friends, no longer speak to me because of this podcast. And that's fine because it just goes to show me you were never my friend. And, and I never lose sleep over shit like that, right? Uh, because I started this for the city letter carriers. I am a city letter carrier. I will always be a city letter carrier. But what do you look for or what do you want in your leadership, in your union leadership? What are the qualities that you want? In your president, what's the quality that you want? Um, if, it's what, if it's status quo, what you have now, then you, you should be satisfied. If it's not, what is the qualities that you want? I want some, to me, the most important things. In union leadership, the most important thing is to love the city letter carrier. That's the most important thing. And that will, everything else falls into place if you love the city letter carrier. Everything else falls into place uh, because you're driven. You're driven to protect them if you love them. It's no different than your family. You're driven to protect your family because you love them. You're driven to protect the city letter carrier if you love us. That's number one. And you can tell that immediately when you talk to somebody, if they love you or not, or either if they're in that position for whatever, monetary gain, status, whatever. You can tell that immediately when you meet somebody. I, I, I remember Manny Peralta was my, my, one of my facilitators in, in arbitration training uh, when I was going to become an advocate. Uh, we didn't talk much, talk very little, but I went up to Washington and went to headquarters, and when I got off the elevator, he was the first one that came to me when I got off the elevator. And I could tell immediately this is an individual who loves the city letter carrier. 
Uh, he told me to come into his office. He said, hey, sit down at my desk. He said, because it's your desk. You know, this, this is your office. That's what he kept telling me. Have a seat in your, your chair. <laughs> Put your feet up on your desk. That's what he was telling me. You know, he made it abundantly clear that he loved the city letter carrier. You can tell immediately when somebody loves the city letter carrier. Uh, that's number one, what you're looking for in the leader. To me, you got to love us. You got to love us because if you love us, you will do everything within your power to protect us and fight for us. Number two, I think you need time on the floor. I just do. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much college you've been to. I don't care. Nothing else matters. You get time on the floor. I think that that is number two for me. I think you have to be in these trenches. I think you got to experience what we experience on this floor. I've been on the floor 30 years. I know the floor. I know management. I know ma how management works, how they operate, what happens when you put things on paper, uh, the pitfalls, the dangers. Uh, so to me, I believe you have to have that experience on the floor. I don't know if y'all ever watched the series Band of Brothers. It's an HBO series, Band of Brothers. It's my second favorite series uh, ever, and I've seen it 50 times. But if you've ever watched it, you will know that the original people that that dropped in uh, on their way to, to fight the Germans, they pretty much stuck together this the entire time. Now, of course, they lost some along the way. But towards the end, when things are just about over, uh, they're all together, and they're war. I mean, they are worn. These guys are battle-tested. Uniforms are raggedy, dirty. You know, they're unshaven. And in comes their new commander, the guy that's over them, just out of the military college. Remember that? And he walks in. He is spit-shined. <laughs> His uniform's brand new got his glasses on, and, and he's now their commander, right? He's over them. Now, here's all these guys that have done all this fighting, and they got this young blood coming in there who's not fired a, a gun yet, completely out of his element, but he's their boss. He's their boss now. <laughs> That's what reminds me of where we are now. You know, we've got battle-tested individuals that are, or that are there. And here comes this young buck who's never done anything, and he's put over them. And uh, so that's kind of where we are now. I want the individual that's battle-tested, General Patton, the one that's been through the things, been through the wars on, these, on this worker floor, been through these battles. Uh, that's number two to me. I, I believe that that's the, the top two. I truly believe that. I believe uh, one who inspires to educate uh, if you aspire to educate, th that's got to be top three, right? One that says, hey, look, above all else, educate my people. Educate my people. And how are we going to do that, business agents? How are we going to educate our people? And I'll give you an example here in just a second of, of how that's not being done. Uh, they control that. They control that. And don't let them tell you that they don't. So those would be the top three things. you got to love me. You got to love me unconditionally. You got to have experience on this floor. Battle tested. In these battles, in these trenches. At every step. That's, that's crucial to me. 
And it may not be to anybody else, and that's fine. You know, everybody's different. I believe you have to be battle-tested. And three, you got to have a passion like no other to educate. You've got to educate. Because nothing else matters if you don't educate, because you just leave us down here dumb and stupid. And maybe that's what you want. And I'll read another thing to you in just a second that pissed me off when I read it. But um, Because I want everybody educated. Everybody educated. Why? Because it makes my job easier. The reason I believe, and I could be completely wrong, and I've been wrong once before, but I believe the reason why we don't educate like we should is because of money. Not money spent educating. We don't have enough money to educate, which we do. We've got more money than we could spend as a union. I don't believe that that's the problem, that we don't have enough money to educate. I know that's not the problem. I believe the reason we don't educate is because of money. If you educate the workforce, that generates more grievances. If you generate more grievances, that generates more arbitrations. And I believe that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we don't educate because we don't want to spend that money in arbitration. I believe it all it starts and stops there. And people may think I'm foolish. I believe that's what it is. Uh, you have business agents that will flat out lie to their constituents. They will flat out lie about why they're not taking things forward. You've got the B team that it's wrecked right now. The B teams across this country are completely wrecked with the cowardice uh, that's portrayed by their business agents. And it's solely because of money. And I'll read a handful of B-team's decisions to you in just a second, and, I'll, and it'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. But it's because of money that these B-teams are completely ruined and wrecked. Uh, the reason that we have the decisions that we're getting is because of money. The reason management has bamboozled us is because of the threat of money. And that's the reason our union has fallen so far. Uh, when I first became an advocate, my business agent, everything went to hearing. Everything went to hearing. And we slaughtered management in arbitration. We were ruthless in arbitration. We were winning money hand over fist in arbitration. And then there, there came this kind of new wave of watered-down B-team decisions. Hardly anything get taken to arbitration any longer. Uh, why is that? It's because of money. It's, it's because of money. Uh, both sides are trying to save money. And like I, I stated this in episodes before, but both sides are so worried about money that the one who gets screwed over is the city of Lettercare. The union won't get screwed over. They're going to make their money. They make a lot of money. RAAs, business agents, national officers, they make a lot of money. They're not going to lose a penny. Uh, the Postal Service, they make a lot of money. I know they came out with this bullshit about losing $6 billion. Bullshit. They make a lot of money. They're not concerned about it. The one who gets screwed over because of this is the city letter carrier. Period. And that's the reason I say, what do you want in your leadership? What do you want to see your leadership do? 
Do you want the status quo where everything is based off of money and the saving of money, even to your detriment? Is that what you want? If that's what you want, then keep the status quo. If it is not, what do you look for? What do you look for? I know for a fact there is a movement outside of Formate Arbitration because whatever, regardless of what anybody says, from aid arbitration, the people who listen is a movement, and it's not doing anything but getting larger. It's massive right now, and it's and it's half of what it will be, half of what it will be by the time election rolls around, because more and more people are listening, more and more people are educating themselves not on the on the contract, but behind the scenes how things are done. A lot of people have no idea or had no idea what was going on until this podcast. Uh, it's educated you there as well. But there is a movement outside of this of people who are saying we're going to retake our union and we're going to put people in place that will say cease and desist. <laughs> we'll put people in place who put the carrier first like it used to be. We're going to put a team in place that wants to educate. We're going to put a team in place who has experience on this workroom floor. And as from aid arbitration, this movement, you have the potential to sway elections. You just do. You're that massive. You have potential to sway elections, and we will. We will. You'll be the most dangerous individuals come election time because you've educated yourself. You know exactly what you're looking for in your leadership, and that's the way we're going to vote. Word of mouth will be massive in this next election, and I'm going to count on y'all to sway the election. That's exactly what's going to happen. I promise you that. Help is on the way. I promise. Help is on the way. Now, a lot of people like the status quo, and that's your right. That's your right. But to those who don't, help is on the way. I promise you that, okay? And we'll be talking about that more uh, later, all right? I think that... The, the business agents all have to get on the same page, and right now they're not. Uh, every region does things differently, and it's, it's disorganized and dis, discombobulated. I think everybody has to get on the same page on how we're going to attack things, and I know that a lot of people at National, that just isn't, you know, it isn't feasible, that's not realistic, that, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. We, we all represent city letter carriers. Uh, city letter carriers in, in California are no different city letter carriers in Florida. Uh, we're all city letter carriers, and we all deserve to be represented to the fullest. I had somebody send me this the other day, and this is what I'm talking about when I say the business agents, we all need to get on the same page. And this is what he sent me. He sent me this just the other day. He said, our business agent so-and-so sucks. That's how I started out. Our business agent so-and-so sucks. I feel you. Ha-ha. We had our steward file a grievance on start time changes. So beginning of summer, there was a carrier in our area who died from the heat illness. So they sent an email out to start everyone at 730. Starting this fall, they decided to only do 730 on Mondays and days after holidays. A few weeks into that, they said, no more. It's 830 every day. So we had him file on it. The grievance went up to Formal A. 
and our formal A called our MBA office, and they said, you should withdraw that grievance. They can change start times whenever they want to. So fucking irritated with these weak-ass, and I'm not going to say that last word, so fucking irritated with these weak-ass so-and-sos. So here you have someone saying, hey, look, we put in a start time grievance, and the business agency withdraw that grievance because they can change the start times whenever they want to. This same week, this same week, Region 3, Mike Karras Region, gets an arbitration decision back. This same week that this guy sent me this, where he said the NBA's office says withdraw it because they can change the start times whenever they want to. This same week, Region 3 puts out on their, on their uh, email, I'm on their email string, this arbitration decision. And they're always educating, always educating in that region. Constant, if you're on Facebook and see them, they're constantly educating, constantly. And so they're sharing information with everybody in their region, sharing arbitration decisions, sharing wins and losses. Hey, why did we lose? What happened? And let's do better, you know. Uh, what, what was wrong with the case file? What did we miss? What did we lack? Uh, and that's how business agents should be doing. It's a constant education in Region 3. If you want an example of how you should educate, they do it. So they find this arbitration decision, and they put this arbitration decision up on, these e- on this email string. And it's 36219. It's C36219. It's from Sheila Mayberry arbitrator sheila mayberry arbitrator says the grievance is granted management violated articles 5 and 19 of the national agreement and m39 section 122.11 when it one unilaterally changed the start time at the jfk facility from 8 a.m to 8 30 a.m without considering the factors in m39 section 122.11 and two failed to bargain over the effects of the unilateral change Management shall immediately reinstate the original start time of 8 a.m. for the carriers at the JFK facility. And again, that's C36219, 36219. And I'll read you a little bit about what she says. Now, these are the very same things that we went over in our episode a while back when we talked about grievance start time changes. It's the very same stuff we went over. So if your business agent's saying we're not going to go forward with that because we, they can do whatever they want, that's laziness, that's cowardice, and it's also trying to save the almighty dollar. It's laziness, it's cowardice, and it's trying to save money. Here's Region 3 saying, hey, we're going to attack this. Here's you a site for it. And then somebody else puts up another site for it. You know why? Because we're going to attack everything. Everything that they do, we're going to fight it. That's being on the offensive. Everything that they do, we're going to fight it. We're going to educate ourselves on how to fight it. Everybody in the region is going to be educated on how to fight these things. We got very capable people as far as advocates. Callaway, a national advocate, one of the brightest young minds in this union, uh, is fighting these things. And if you talk to him, he's very impressive. Very impressive. I wish I was like him. He's that He's that sharp. But here's what they say. Here's the analysis and decision. 
Article 3 of the National Agreement provides broad management rights to efficiently operate the Postal Service. Article 5 prohibits management from making any unilateral changes to the terms of the existing agreement or its obligations under law. Section 8D of the National Labor Relations Act, NRLA, prohibits making unilateral changes in material and substantial terms and conditions of employment during the term of a collective bargaining agreement. Furthermore, Section 8D prohibits management from refusing to bargain over the effects of a unilateral change in the scope and direction of its operations, even though it need not bargain over the change itself because it concerns a matter at the core of the entrepreneurial contract of the business. Determining whether a proposed change is a non-bargainable, scope and direction change, or a mandatory subject of bargaining may, rep- may present a difficult question. The Joint Contract Administration Manual, JCAM, notes that not, on, not all unilateral actions are prohibited by the language in Article 5, only those affecting wages, hours, or working conditions as defined in Section 8D of the NLRA. The National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, has determined that unilateral changes in start times of at least 15 minutes to be material, substantial, and significant and are therefore a mandatory subject of bargaining under the NLRA. See Pepsi-Cola Bottling Company of Fayetteville Incorporated. Now let me read that again. The National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, has determined that unilateral changes in start times of at least 15 minutes. So here's an arbitrator that's attacking the NLRB decision, right? She's, she's putting this, she's bringing this into the decision. And she's putting a lot of her weight on this. And, and it's a great, a great avenue for us, a fantastic avenue for us. But she says, unilateral changes in start times of at least 15 minutes to be material, substantial, and significant and are therefore a mandatory subject of bargaining under the NLRA. Uh, It goes on about the Pepsi-Cola company, finding that requiring employees to start their shifts 15 minutes earlier each day constitutes a material, substantial, and significant change. In relevant part, 24 requiring employees to report to their workstations five minutes earlier than the previous reporting time is a material, substantial, and significant change. She keeps citing all these other things. Uh, One-hour change was significant and material. I find that a 30-minute change in starting times for letter carriers is material, substantial, and significant as it can significantly upend employees' ability to manage their work transportation schedules and a myriad of other issues. I'll read that again. I find that a 30-minute change in starting times for letter carriers is material, substantial, and significant as it can significantly upend employees' ability to manage their work transportation schedules and a myriad of other issues. The process for establishing schedules for letter carriers is outlined in M39 section 122.11, which is subsumed with the national agreement pursuant to Article 19. Several factors are to be considered in establishing schedules. Arbitrator Snow in 2002, provided guidance in management's right to change work schedules under Article 3. He stated that managerial control of work schedules, however, is not totally unfettered or without limitations. 
He cited in particular Section 12211B, which states fixed schedules to coincide with receipt and dispatch of mail. At least 80% of the carrier's daily mail to be cased should be on or at their cases when they report to work. Arbitrator Snow is adamant that 122.11b must be considered in deciding whether a change is justified, stating, The instruction is not a suggestion, but is stated as an imperative. In addition, Section 12211f allows managed to make permanent schedule changes when it is apparent that one or more days' mail volume varies to where it is causing late leaving. In this case, I find that management violated Article 5 by failing to produce sufficient data to the union at the time the decision was made to justify the change in start times. Let me read that again. In this case, I find that management violated Article 5 by failing to produce sufficient data to the union at the time the decision was made to justify the change in start times. Now, why is that critical? Because she's putting that burden on management. Right. In contract cases, the burden's on us. Right. She puts the initial burden on management to provide data on why you are changing start times. That is a massive, massive swinging of the pendulum as far as the burden of proof. The burden of proof is ours. What she says is initially that burden is on management to show through data why you're changing our start times. Why is that critical right now? Because I have people telling me that managers are saying, because you can't get out of the station in an hour, we're changing your start times, basically as a punishment. Because you can't get out of the station in an hour, I'm going to change your start times. Due to the heat, we're changing your start times. Due to the fall, we're changing your start times. Because I'm angry, I'm changing your start times. Here she says, Initially, that burden is on management to produce data showing why you're doing it. That's a massive, massive turn of events for us. Mr. Embergamo stated in his post-decision interview that because DUTs did not align with carrier start times, he believed it was best to change the carrier start times. Now, DUT is distribution uptime, right? Distribution uptimes. That's DUT, in case anybody didn't know. Section 12211 includes more than one factor to consider in determining whether permanent change in start times is justified. There is no evidence that management considered any other factors in its decision making. Further, management could not dispute the union's evidence that at least 80% of carriers' caseable daily mail has been consistently on at their cases when they report to work. This is one factor that must be reviewed in determining scheduling, Snow Award Supra, Mr. Embergamo acknowledged in his interview with the union that he did not know whether 80% of daily caseable mail is available prior to carrier start time. I find that there was insufficient evidence to justify a unilateral permanent change in start times. As such, management violated Article 5 and 19 of the National Agreement and Section 8D of the NLRA, see grievance resolution in Boston, Newtonville, It's got the DRT uh, found that because there was no substantive evidence to back up its claim that it needed to change start times, management's actions were found to be arbitrary. So she cites a B-team decision. I also find that management violated Article 5 because it failed to give the union an opportunity to confer and bargain over the effects of the decision. Now, how many times has management done that with y'all? That has changed your start times. 
How many times has management sat down with you and talked about or bargained over the effects of the decision? None. None. And that'll be a good contention for us. This is apparent from Mr. Bergamo's interview with Mr. Mosca, wherein he confirmed that there was no labor management meeting to discuss a possible change and that the union was notified of the change on November 3rd of 2019. <clears throat> His response to the union contention was to state, I made the changes correctly in accordance with the ELM and notified the union in advance as required. While Mr. Embergano stated in his testimony that he consulted with the union, I credit Mr. Muska's testimony that he was simply called into Mr. Embergano's office on November 3rd and notified of the decision. As such, I find that management did not provide an opportunity for the union to engage in bargaining over the effects of the unilateral change to start times, thereby violating Article 5 and Section 8D of the NLRA, see Arbitration's Award in New Market, Talmadge, uh, Collins, Providence, Rhode Island, Talmadge, and DRT grievance resolutions in Boston back pay. The DRT found that management violated Article 5 by failing to discuss and confer about the change in start times. And so she uh, granted us the decision. Whenever a business agent says, I'm not taking that forward because management can do it, uh, you have, unfortunately, a, uh, a weak business agent. And, and I just hate to say that. I hate to say that because there are some very bright business agents that have been overcome with cowardice and laziness. And yours was a coward and lazy. I hate to say that, but because you have a region three, where they're fighting these things and you have people digging and searching and looking and here you found this decision. Uh, and so, and all I need is one as an advocate, give me a great one to cite for persuasive value, but it also gives you very good arguments for your contentions as an informal or formal. If you get this decision they, and read it and you can copy and paste it and, and make it your own, but it's a very good decision. Here's another one they found, and it's C31930, 31930, and it's from uh, Donald Olson, and it's award summary. The employer is directed to place employees back to their original tour starting time, which was changed on May 18, 2013. Out of schedule premium pay is awarded. And um, here's this discussion. This arbitrator has carefully reviewed the entire evidentiary record, the oral closing argument by the employer's advocate, and the union's post-hearing brief and cited cases. In the first place, the arbitrator finds that the employer's management staff at the Ohio Kai Station violated Articles 3, 5, and 19 of the National Agreement when they arbitrarily changed the city's carrier's begin tour of 7 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. before moving it later to 8 a.m. effective on May 18th. Clearly, the record is clear that at the time management decided to effectuate this change, they had never attempted to discuss or negotiate this proposed change with the union. In fact, the change was a unilateral decision made by management, which in fact violated the express rights set forth in Article 5 of the National Agreement, which is pertinent part reads as follows. The employer will not take any action affecting wages, hours, and other terms and conditions of employment as defined in Section 8D of the National Labor Relations Act, which violate the terms of this agreement or are otherwise inconsistent with its obligation under law. 
This change by management regarding the employer's tour start time was clearly a classic prohibited unilateral action involving hours. Of course, the employer made a claim during the processing of this grievance that this was allowed under the guise of Article 3, which set forth in ma its managerial rights. Now, I love that word, guise, because I use it all the time in arbitration. But that's why he said, of course, kind of backhanded them here. Of course, the employer made a claim during the processing of this grievance that this was allowed under the guise of Article 3, which set forth its managerial rights. This arbitrator concurs with that claim when, in fact, it is done properly and not unilaterally. Undeniably, M39 Section 122.1, entitled Establishing Schedules, allows the employer the express right to set employees' work schedules. However, if a change for business reasons is contemplated, the employer must not institute this kind of change unilaterally, as in this case. Section 8D mandates that the employer cannot violate the terms of the national agreement by taking unilaterally action dealing with hours or that are otherwise inconsistent with its obligation under law. Frankly, in simpler terms, once the union made a prima facie case as they did, the burden of going forward with the evidence shifted to the employer to prove that it's complied with the express terms of Article 5 and 19 of the National Agreement, as well as the terms set forth in Handbook M39 dealing with establishing schedules. This arbitrator concludes, once the burden of proof shifted to the employer, it failed to prove there was no, an operational need to change the carrier start times. Since this arbitrator has found the employer violated the express terms of Article 5 of the National Agreement, there is no need to dwell on about other possible employer violations of the National Agreement dealing with Article 15. As a result, based on the, upon the evidentiary record and pertinent parts of testimony given at the hearing, this arbitrator concludes management at the Hawaii Kai Station violated Articles 3, 5, and 19 of the National Agreement when they arbitrarily changed the city care's begin tour time of 7 a.m. and 7.30 a.m., moving it later to 8 a.m. Award. The grievance is sustained. The employer shall reinstate the employee's starting tour time in effect on May 17th. The employer is directed to pay all the carriers out of schedule premium pay for any time they are scheduled for 8 a.m. and reported at 8 a.m. beginning May 18th of 2013 until their start time was officially changed back or earlier. Furthermore, no carrier start times in the future will establish and fixed unless the employer management at the Hawaii Kai Station follows the exact procedure set forth in M39 Section 122.11. Moreover, management is ordered to cease and desist violating the aforementioned provision. The arbitrator will retain jurisdiction of this dispute for 90 calendar days after the parties receive this opinion award. Now, do you hear what they said there at the end? Furthermore, moreover, management is ordered to cease and desist. Y'all hear that? Cease and desist. That's what arbitrators do, cease and desist. Now, I know you got a couple of decisions out there where the arbitrator didn't grant it, but 99.9% .9 of arbitrators are going to say cease and desist. That's contractual. That's contractual. In Article 41, it talks about cease and desist. And so that's something we have to get back to, and we will. With new leadership, they're going to put an emphasis on the cease and desist because that means what? Stop and don't do it anymore. 
And that's what we're looking for. And a lot of a lot of business agents are scared to death of that word. And a lot of B teams are scared to death of that word. And um, so I believe it's because we have uh, weak leadership that has got, guided us away from a cease and desist. And I'll show you some examples here in a second. But there's two decisions right there on start time changes. And you have a business agent telling somebody, uh, you need to withdraw that because management can change them when they want to. So it's a matter of, of the old term. It's, it's not the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. And that's your business agents. It's not the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog. And you see the difference between two regions right there. You got one region where they say, hey, withdraw it because management can do whatever they want to to us and we're not going to fight it. And you got another region who's saying, hey, here's a decision. Hey, look, here, here's another decision. Educate your people on it. Get your people's case files ready for it. These are great arguments to bring forward to arbitration, which is where we're going with these things when they do it. Here's how we're going to defeat it. Here's how we're going to win these things. Win or lose. Win or lose, we're going to fight them and we're going to take, to, take them to task. Win or lose. That's all I want, man, is give me an opportunity to fight. Give me an opportunity to get in the ring and fight. That's all I want. Give me a chance. When you tell me to withdraw something because we're not going to fight it, man, we have lost as a union. We have lost as a union. You've got to get in the fucking fight, man. The only way we can win a fight is to get in it. <laughs> and like I said a long time ago, you'll have some of these business agents say, yeah, I never lost a fight, man. I'm undefeated. Man, that's fantastic. How many fights you get in? Oh, I never got in a fight. I never got in a fight. But I've never lost one either. I cannot stand that kind of cowardice. I cannot stand it, man. I want... When, when my days are over and they think of me, I want to be that pit bull on the porch with his ear chewed off, scars on his head, one eye crossed out with a scar down it, just old gray eye on it. You know what I'm talking about? Just sitting there looking, laying on the porch. People just walk by and say, man, don't fuck with that. You can tell. Don't fuck with that one. He's been through some shit, man. He's been through the fucking battles, win or lose. He's been through some shit, man. Don't fuck with him. That's what I want people to remember me by. And that's what the business agents should want to be remembered as, is that dog on the porch. Chewed all the shit. Just sitting there. People know that motherfucker right there has been through some shit, man. When it came time to battle, he was in it. You can see by looking at him. When it came time to get down, he got down. You can tell by looking at him or her that they got the fuck down when it came time to it. Not that this dog here, man, ain't got a scratch on him. He must have run from every fucking fight that he ever came across, just like some of these business agents. They run from every damn fight, just like that one telling that person, you need to withdraw that. I'd be ashamed to say that, man. I'd be ashamed to say that. You put no time or energy into researching anything trying to win that. Then you got another region. Putting decisions out after decision out. Email after email after email. Training after training after training. Why? Because I want my region to be the best. I want my region to be the most educated, the most trained, the most informed. I want my region to be numero uno, the top fucking dog. 
the alphas. That's what I want my region to be. And that's what region three has decided they're going to be. They're going to be the motherfucking dogs. There are others out there that are educating. I'm just using region three because I see them all the time. But um, we've got to get the B teams back under control. If when I talk about new leadership, what are you looking for? What, what will we be looking for when it comes time to vote? Uh, we've got to get our B teams back under control. We've got to get them back under control. Uh, this cowardice that has overtaken our B teams across this country has got to stop, has got to stop. I'm going to read several decisions to you, just the award, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Now, you heard this arbitrator say management will cease and desist. That because see, that's because cease and desist is in the contract. It's, act, it's contractual. It's contractual. So I'm going to read just a handful, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. These are all recent, okay? Here's one that somebody sent to me, and I'm just going to start reading them, okay? The grievance is resolved. Management will abide by Article 14. Management will conduct all HIP-related training on the clock in accordance with ELM 553-711.41. Management will discontinue the use of Express and Hero when certifying employees for HIP training and will individually certify the employees in the Hero on the date the training is given. The formerly representatives or their designees within 14 days of receipt of this decision will meet to discuss and agree on what training can be substituted to satisfy the HIP training for fiscal year 23 for those who have yet to receive it. Management will record this substituted training using PS Form 2432 for each employer. And so that's another decision that, uh, like I'm talking about, but it says management will abide by Article 41. So you've got management falsifying the training. I know you're sick of this, but I'm going to keep talking about it. you got management falsifying the training. You see the contentions down here. The union stated that management falsified it. And in order to stay out of a fight with management, we say management will abide by Article 14. Now, why does that chap my ass? Because they're already supposed to abide by it, aren't they? They're already supposed to abide by it. Why are we telling them they got to abide by it? Do they give us the same benefit? Do we get the same benefit on the floor? Until we realize that we are treating them with kids' gloves and they are butchering us on this workroom floor. They are butchering the city letter carrier on this workroom floor. We get an official discussion and that's it, right? An official discussion tells me what? You need to stop doing what you're doing or else... Cease and desist. You need to stop doing what you're doing, Corey, or else we may seek some form of discipline on you. That's a cease and desist. What does management get? They don't get a cease and desist. They don't. They get a management will abide by. Remember last week, management will refrain from. Management will abide by. That's what I'm talking about, where we have gotten as a B team. Because our business agents say, don't send that up to me. Why? It's because of money. It's because of money. Here's another one. It's one of the ones about uh, the scanner message taking breaks, uh, unauthorized breaks. Said the dispute resolution step B team has resolved this grievance by determining management will adhere to Article 14 of the national agreement when giving instructions to carriers on how to best handle the heat. 
Management will conduct a stand-up talk and notify carriers they're allowed to take comfort stops as needed when working in heat-related weather. So in this one, we have management will adhere to Article 14. Management will refrain from it. Management will adhere to it. Uh, y'all see what I'm talking about? We've gotten away from cease and desist. Management will cease and desist. Violate Article 14. Here's another one. The dispute resolution team has resolved this dispute. Based on the evidence provided, the DRT has determined management violated Articles 15 when they failed to comply with prior grievance settlements for grievance numbers uh, CA323 dated May 4th. The DRT reminds management it is the obligation of the Postal Service official making the grievance settlement to ensure any related payments and adjustments are completed in a timely manner. The DRT has processed payments to the carriers as explained below. So the DRT just took it upon themselves. We're going to process the payment. But they you got a, a fair to comply, right? So no cease and desist violating Article 15 for by fair to comply. It just says the DRT has determined management violated Article 15 when they failed to comply with prior grievance settlements. The DRT reminds management it is the obligation of the Postal Service official making the grievance settlements to ensure any related payments adjustments are completed in a timely manner. So they remind management. You see what I'm talking about? How we treat them with kids' gloves. Do you see what I'm talking about? Where we have gotten away from the language of cease and desist, how we've watered that down. Uh, and, that, and that's based solely off of of weak leadership how we've allowed that to creep into our b teams that's just a handful i've got so many more i could read them all night long but it doesn't it doesn't end there here's here's a couple of pre-arbs that people sent me that were completely frustrated and i don't blame them now i've got b team decision after b team decision that states the same shit this person says has sent me the one that states that one that I just read about the DRT reminds management is obligation of the Postal Service official making the grievance settlement. So we remind management they're supposed to make payments that we tell them to make. We remind them to do that. Not a cease and desist against it, but we remind them this person says, is it normal to get worse decisions at the step B? Had four I sent with no contentions from management, and I got absolute garbage. I don't know if I did something wrong or if that's just the way it is. I couldn't even get them to say, we'll comply. I'll send a pic of what I got. I see even a slap on the wrist. I know I'm probably overreacting, but I felt gutted by, the, by these decisions. I spent so much of my own time telling my kids I can't play and then to get a garbage from step B. It makes me wonder. Sorry, I just needed to vent. Someone who actually cares. I know there's nothing you can do. I honestly want to call regional, but I'm sure it'll get nowhere. So here's somebody who says, I sent these four up with my contentions. Management offered no contentions. No contentions. And I got the dispute resolution team has resolved this dispute based on the evidence provided. The DRT has determined management violated Article 15. So she sent up enough information for you to acknowledge a violation of Article 15. That happened. There was enough documentation, or you would have said there, the documentation in the case file fails to support a violation of Article 15. So there was enough to state that there was a violation of Article 15. Management offers no contention. 
No contention, she says. They, they, not, they offer nothing. And she can't even get a will comply. She's like, hell, I'll take a will comply. Shit, I didn't get nothing. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. It's completely demoralizing to those of us on the floor. And that's what I'm talking about with these leaders that have no time. You've got to understand what your decisions do to us, those of us on the floor. You've got to understand that you've got warriors down here that are battling in these trenches with these grievance files, putting their contentions together, fighting for their carriers, only to get the legs cut out from underneath them by the B team who is directed from the business agent. Uh, that's what we've got to get under control as new leadership comes in here. And I'm telling y'all, help is on the way. I promise y'all that. Help is on the way to get back to those things like that, to where our, our B teams are no longer doing this to us. Help is on the way. I promise you. I promise you that. I'm not pulling that out of my ass. Help is on the way, okay? But we've got to get away from these B-team decisions that are crushing our stewards and formal A's. We are losing in fantastic people down here on the floor because of this horse shit. And, uh, but we will get there. I promise you that. that like I said, help's on the way, man. Y'all just hang in there. Here's another. Here, here's a, a pre-arm. Here's a pre-arm. The parties review the documents and evidence supplied by management and the union in support of their respective positions in this grievance filed on management failed to provide information requested by the union on multiple occasions within the 72 hours, three days, as previously established by prior grievance settlements with an S. Not settlement, but settlements with an S. That means plural. That means several. Okay. Previously established by, by prior grievance settlements and step B decisions. So now we've got two things. We've got prior settlements and step B decisions with an S, plural. So here's, here's management who's not adhering to shit. They're not abiding by the previous settlements or B team decisions, plurals. Okay, so again, the double standard. Remember when I was talking about that? How we allow management to have this double standard against us, I do not know and I will never understand it. How we allow them to, to constantly and consistently violate the agreement and we get nothing in return, yet us. On the other hand, we fail to maintain regular attendance. Like I said, I'm going every week under this shit. And we will have to agree to some form of discipline some months. Here's management failing to abide by numerous previous decisions. And this is a pre-arb now. It says, management agrees to provide a one-time lump sum payment of $250 minus all applicable deductions as soon as administratively possible to this person. Management is directed to comply with the language in Articles 17 and 31 of the National Agreement and prior settlements on providing a response to union requests for information within 72 hours of receipt. Dean agrees no further appeal of this grievance under the provisions of Article 15 the National Agreement will be made. The parties agrees this settlement is without precedence and cannot be cited in any other form except to enforce the provisions of this agreement. So they can't cite it if it happens again because they didn't even say cease and desist. So we can't say... Management failed to abide by prior cease and desists. You can't cite that. 
It's only if they don't pay it. Management is directed to comply with the language in Article 17 and 31. I'll read it again. Management is directed to comply with the languages of Article 1731. They're directed to comply. You don't think any of those prior decisions told them to do that? Do you not think the prior B-team decisions told them to do that? Do you not think the prior settlements told them to do that? And here we are again, the double standard. Why have we let management get over on us like this? What happened where, where we have allowed management to do this to us. Here's management constantly violating the agreement, constantly violating the contract. Numerous prior decisions, step B and others. Numerous. And you're going to tell them management is directed to comply. What in the fuck is that? Why is there the double standard? Did I ask that already? I think I did. Here's another Here's another one. This person says, beyond pissed with this pre-arb. This is one I just read. Beyond pissed with this pre-arb. They have constantly violated 15, 17, 31. I wanted a fee per day after three days. I don't give a fuck about me getting paid. I want management to adhere to the contract. That's all we ever want, baby. We want management to adhere to the contract that they agreed to. That's the reason it's called joint contract. You know why that says joint contract? Because we have both agreed to it. But unfortunately, with there being nothing set in stone about what will happen to them and a union that is cowardly and won't hold them to a cease and desist or even say cease and desist, this is where we get the, the ultimate double standard. The ultimate double standard. Here's another pre-arb. And this one, this person said, <laughs> this person said, uh, he says, gets better, Corey. Got the signed settlements. They don't say when management will comply with the settlements. These non-compliance pertain to over 20 local settlements. President tells me if they don't comply due to the wording of the pre-arbs, I can't take a second bite at the apple. So in effect, our NBA vacated all those cases as far as I'm concerned since they won't comply anyway. They settled just to pay everyone 25. That's it. No, we'll comply within seven days or anything. NBA says, yeah, forget those thousands of dollars you refused to comply with. Just pay 25 and uh, here's the decision. Based on the fact circumstances in the grievance filed, the undersigned mutually agreed to the following pre-arbitration settlement of the above reference case. Issue non-compliance with the following settlements, and it's got all these numbers of prior settlements. <laughs> agreement. Management violated Article 15 of the National Agreement when they failed to comply with the above state, Step B Formal A settlements, plural. The following carriers will receive $25 lump sum. And that's it. It doesn't say these payments will be processed and verification be afforded or provided the union within seven calendar days or within 14 calendar days. It doesn't say that. It just says the following carriers will receive $25. When? It could be six months from now. And you and the wall managers are going to say, well, you didn't tell us when to pay it. 
You didn't tell. That's a rookie ass signing that. That's a rookie right there. You didn't even put on there when they're going to pay the damn thing. Bottom line, and, and I need to get off of that. It's too. We've already gone too long. We have got to get back to hammering management at every level. We have got to get back to hammering management at every level. We have got to educate our B teams on what is acceptable and not acceptable. And that's very easy. That's a telephone call. That's a conference call right there. Say, we're going to get back to cease and desist. Now, no management's going to raise hell, and they're going to send 50,000 things up. We've got to get back to cease and desist because what we're doing doesn't work. Now, I know people say, well, hell, we'll take 50 cease and desist forward. A cease and desist is contractual. It is contractual. It is in the contract. Refrain from, abide by, please, will, whatever. Those are not contractual. Arbitrators acknowledge cease and desist, just like the arbitrator I read to you. Cease and desist. That's what they acknowledge. We have got to get back to that. And we will with new leadership. I promise you that. When I say help is coming, I know for a fact help is on the way. I know some very powerful individuals are getting together. I know that. So I'm not concerned about it. Just those that are getting run over, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, my brothers and sisters who are fighting these fights, a lot of people have stepped down saying, I just can't do it anymore, man. I'm putting everything I have into this, everything I have into this, and I end up getting kicked in the teeth by my own people. Uh, help is on the way, baby. That's all I can tell you. Help is on the way. I'm going to read a couple other things to you, and I'm going to be off of here. Uh, and here's the thing that I've been talking about. I wish our leadership did a better job of um, getting out into the public. I think that uh, the public needs to hear from our union leadership, whoever it is, because the Postal Service made sure that it got out that Postal Service reveals shocking net loss for 2023. So here's the public court of a public opinion. They beat us to it, right? Despite setting a goal to break even, the United States Postal Service, USPS, announced on Tuesday a substantial net loss of $6.5 billion for the fiscal year 2023. The agency reported a decrease in operating revenue by $321 million, or 0.4% dropping to $78.2 billion, with first-class mail reaching its lowest volume since 1968. So the Postal Service got ahead of us. We're in contract talks, and everybody knows this shit come out, comes out every time we're in a contract talk. Every time we're in contract talks, here's this shit comes. Uh, we never get ahead of it and say, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's a scanner message that came out uh, public where it says the USPS reported $18.6 billion in revenue from April 1 to June 30th. USPS reported $18.6 billion in revenue from April 1st to June 30th. Now, where is this money going? Where is this money going? If they're saying that they have a net loss of $6 billion and you just told me you had $18, revenue, $18 billion revenue, the union has got to do a better job of saying, don't buy that shit. Don't buy that. First off, we're in contract talks. So here the woe is me. Get on the side of the public. We're losing all this money, and the, here's the union asking for all these things. The, the package difference between us and UPS is not that great. Maybe, maybe a couple of million packages difference per us and, and UPS over the course of a year. 
there's not that much difference. And plus we have first class mail, which isn't that much, but it still generates revenue. They have a record contract and we're, we're getting hammered. What is the difference there? Is it more people? Is it more employees? Is that the difference? Because the package volume is not that great between us. We need to do a better job of saying, here's the problem with the federal government as far as the USPS is concerned. You have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. There's no way we should have this much fat in the Postal Service. Way too much fat, way too much at the top as far as managerial positions are concerned. Chop all of that and then come back to me. Because I read those reports where it talks about they've saved all these millions upon millions off our backs with the hour office time, with the stationary events. All these millions they've saved beating us to death and bludgeoning us. They're squeezing blood from a turnip with us is what they're doing. They refuse to look at themselves to chop their, their waste. So I don't care what their numbers say. I don't care if they said they lost $800 billion. I don't give a shit because you've not done the first thing to correct it as far as you are concerned. And here we have our union, the double standard of we get discipline based off of violating something a couple of times and management will get refrained from after numerous attempts to get them to stop through prior settlements, refrain from, please stop, adhere to, abide by, just to get away from a cease and desist. Just to get away from a cease and desist, which we've allowed them to do. Here's another thing I wanted to read to you. It says, MBAs, providing you an update regarding the TV monitors displaying letter carriers' work performance data. Jim Lloyd, who's with the Postal Service, and I had a discussion today about the TV monitors as a follow-up meeting from last week, he informed me that there will be postmasters in different parts of the country instructing their supervisors do not display letter carriers' work performance data on TV monitors. This issue is not totally resolved as of today, but we are still talking and making progress. You might receive calls from your local branch presidents informing you that local management has turned off the TV monitors. Please continue getting the word out to your branch presidents within your region to file a grievance in informal step A and request for an extension of time limits to place the grievance on hold until further notice. Thank you, Christopher Jackson. So there's an update on the TV monitors, something that you heard here, something that we fought on this podcast. We got it out across the nation, and that is the power of you. That's what I've been talking about. The TV monitors came up. People started sending me pictures of it because it, it didn't happen to my installation. Maybe a couple of stations, but not mine. People start sending me pictures of the displays on uh, the, the route data on these TV monitors. Kept getting those, so we did episodes here on how to defeat that. What we're going to do with that. And here you have uh, national levels talking about they're going to discontinue that. That's the power of you. Remember what I was talking about? The power of you. The MDA, we're going to get that $10,000 by next week. Make sure that you get on there and donate that. We're going to show them the power of you. 
the power of you to sway elections, which is what's going to happen. Help us on the way, but we've got to have you involved, getting people educated, word of mouth on who we're going to vote for, making sure that changes come, real change. Get away from this cowardly ass shit we're dealing with right now. You got TV monitors, headquarters level talking about it. We're going to discontinue that because of you. That's the power of you, right? Y'all got to understand the power of you. You really do. It's a movement unlike anything ever seen before in this union. You. And it's a beautiful thing. Here's another thing somebody sent me about stationary events. It says, per Miss Moya, please follow up on all stationary events. Brief action plan using specifics are needed. For example, Supervisor Saldana will engage street supervision with vitals identified on 1021 who are responsible for a total of 6.15 stationary hours the week of 1020. The vitals, and then it gives the carriers' names, uh, will each be observed for a minimum of four hours on the street between Saturday 1021 and Wednesday 1023. Time-wasting stationary events will be addressed in real time. Please complete the survey. They don't have the survey. So here's the thing on the stationary events. Please follow up on all stationary events. Brief action plan using specifics are needed. For example, Supervisor Saldana will engage street supervision with vitals identified on 1021. So at least they're telling them to get out there on the street and watch them. Right? Remember I put that up not long ago from that labor person. I said, this is going to kill my contact. But where she's saying, if you're identifying street or stationary events, you got to get out there and watch them. You got to get out there on the street. Here's another thing. Tell them, get out on the street and watch them. Get out on the street and watch them. Because, first off, we've done a piss poor job of, of fighting that from our business agent level. They've done a horrible job of getting y'all ready for that. We've done everything we can on this podcast about stationary events, how to defeat stationary events, what to say about stationary events. Uh, we've done that over and over again, trying to educate y'all. The business agents have dropped the ball terribly. Our national president has as well, because this is his baby. Uh, but you see what's happening. Get on the street and watch them. So we're at least winning that part. All right. Section 134 of the M39 states, you need to come out there and watch me. You have to accompany me on the street. Uh, you can't just sit at a desk and watch me on a computer, even though we have succumbed to that in a lot of these regions. We've got to educate our people. We've got to educate our people, and that's the bottom line. You have got to love us, NLC. You have got to love us with an unconditional love. You have got to educate us on this workroom floor. Carriers, stewards, formal A's. You've got to educate us and continue to educate us. That's the bottom line. You've got to. We've got to be the most educated craft in the Postal Service. Because we are the ones that are most under the gun. No other craft is treated like we are. They're just not. We're timed from the second we clock on to the second we clock off, and there's not another craft that's done that way. We have standards. No other craft has standards. Right? 
No other craft has to worry about stationary vents. We are constantly fucked with. And we need our union to do better. That's the bottom line. We need our union to, to do better. I'm going to read this last thing and talk about it. And I'm going to get off of here. It's just taking way too long. This person stated, Why can't the arbitration database on NALC website only be accessed by authorized users on NALC.org? This information should be free to all members of the NALC. Knowledge is power. Now, remember I said a long time ago, the way that I learned when I first came in was reading arbitration decisions and B-team decisions. I read arbitration decisions constantly, and I still do. And to this day, I read arbitration decisions. Just I know that sounds boring as hell, but I just pull it up and start reading arbitrators' decisions. Why? Because I want to know how, you, how they think, how they lean, how they view things, the contract, what they put emphasis on, don't put emphasis on. Now, I know every arbitrator is different, but you can still learn a lot. you got issue statements. you got contentions. Management's position, which helps us. The union's position, which helps us. Discussions. Uh, you've got issue statements, like I said, and gives you the, the right contractual provisions to use. Uh, it's a critical learning tool is arbitrator's decisions. So here's somebody that says, why can the arbitration database on the ELC website only be accessed by authorized users? And uh, this person says, there are too many people who do not have the training and knowledge to know how to use those arbitrations properly. Personally, I have seen informal stewards include losing arbitrations in their case file because they liked one sentence and the whole thing. Leave the inclusion of the persuasive regional awards to those who have been trained to use them. Leave the inclusion of persuasive regional awards to those who have been trained to use them. And, and, I, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Y'all are too stupid to know how to read and put things in, in contention. On the workroom floor at the informal A level, y'all are too fucking stupid to know how to read and put things in your contentions. This person said, Personally, I have seen informal stewards. Well, take the shit out. If you're formal A rep, take the shit out if it doesn't help you. If informal A is putting something in there, you can do that. That file is yours at the formal A. Don't say that we're too fucking stupid down here to learn or to know what in the fuck we're doing. You got some highly intelligent individuals on this workroom floor that all they want to do is learn. All they want to do is succeed, to win. And the way we do that is education. And arbitration sites are a critical educational tool that we should have access to. And to say that we don't have access because we're too fucking stupid to know what we're reading, that maybe we put a losing decision in there, it was, it was shit. Okay. So maybe somebody fucked up one time. So nobody can read them. Nobody can have access because one person accidentally put one in there that didn't pertain to anything. It was a losing decision. We have got to quit treating the stewards like they're fucking idiots. We've got to quit treating those on the workroom floor like they're too fucking stupid to learn. The only way we will learn is to be educated and use everything at our disposal to be educated. 
arbitration sites, B-team decisions, formal A training, informal A training, constant training to educate us. If we're too damn stupid, it's your fault. NLC, don't get on somewhere and say, hey, personally, I saw somebody do this. Then educate somebody. Educate everybody. If somebody's too fucking stupid, it's your fault. It's not theirs. They're doing the best that they can. A lot of informals are doing everything they can to learn, only to be met with, you are too fucking stupid to know what to do, so we don't give you access to that. It's the gatekeeper mentality. I'm smart, so I know what to do. You're going to stay dumb. You're going to stay uneducated. You're going to stay down there uh, sockless and shoeless (laughs) with your pants rolled up. Because you're too damn yokel and stupid to know what to do. We've got to get away from that mentality, man. We have got to educate like never before. We have got to be doing so much education that all of our money has been spent on education. Everything we earn should be spent on education. We should be educating, educating, educating. Don't ever say y'all don't have access to something because you're too damn stupid to apply it. Don't discourage us down here like that, man. Don't discourage these shop stewards on the workroom floor like that. Somebody saying, hey, I want to earn, I want to learn. I want access to this. Well, you're too damn stupid. We're not going to give you access. You're too fucking stupid to read is basically what that said. You're putting losing decisions in there. Well, just take the shit out, man. If I'm an informal A and I put contentions in there and I put a site in there that that doesn't apply, just take it out. You can do that at the formal A. Just take the shit out, man. Don't don't belittle us down here like that. We make mistakes, man. We're doing the best we fucking can. Until we start educating everybody, until everybody's on the same page, everybody carries the same weight, we'll be failures will be failures. As long as you have people saying you can't do that because you're too damn stupid, will be failures. Educate your people, man. Educate them. All right. I won't be here next week. I'm moving. Like I said, won't have an episode. This one's a long one here today. It's too way too long, but a lot of stuff I had to get out there. Hopefully it made sense on a lot of it. Cause I did a lot of back and forth with it. But this episode, the MDA, the $10,000, let's reach that goal. Y'all, y'all dig in your pockets and let's reach that goal, okay? That'd be massive for y'all. Help is on the way. I promise you that. Things are happening. Good things are happening, so keep your head up. Help is on the way. What are you looking for in your leader? What are the things, what are the things you're most looking for? Love. Love is mine. That's number one. Time on this floor has got to be in education. Time on this floor in education, man. That's what I'm looking for in my leaders. Uh, I think all those are critical, but love is the most. You got to love us because if you love me, you're going to fight to the death for me, and that's what I need to know. That's what I need to know. Educate your people, man. Don't discourage them from educating. Don't discourage us down here, man. Educate us, all right? We need to get our B teams under control. New leadership will do that, and it's coming. And we need to get our business agents under control. Quit, get that cowardice out of them. It takes a lot, man. Once it seeps in there, 
it, it clings on to them. It clings on to them, and it's tough to get cowardice out of somebody once they've gotten kicked in the ass a couple of times. Uh, you got to be r- just rumblers, man. You got to be just alley cats, just junkyard dogs. That's what you need. That that just keep fighting, keep fighting. The end of our days are going to be on that porch, every one of us, looking out. People are going to walk by us and say, fuck that, man. I ain't fuck one of them. Fucking heads all chewed up and shit. That's going to be every one of you, man, because we're going to educate ourselves and get in those battles. We're not going to get discouraged by our leaders. We're going to do it, all right? Y'all have a fantastic week. Happy Thanksgiving to every one of y'all, man. I hope y'all eat plenty. And uh, have a safe week if you're traveling. I love y'all very much. Uh, and I'm honored to to be on here talking to you about education and stuff. I really am. And listen to me. Listen. Help is on the way. I promise you. It's going to be a good thing, man. It's going to be a good thing. Our union's going to turn around. Help is on the way. And we'll talk about more of that, about that later, all right? You have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you later.